This morning, as we continue our journey through Matthew, we're in the end of 17, chapter 17 this morning. And as we go there as a reminder of where Jesus is at in his ministry, being incarnate, being the living Son of God, that he, last week, remember, we talked about this, this, this clear clarity that Peter um, answered Jesus' question on, who do you think I am? And Jesus was a very approving of Peter's answer to that question, saying that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then remember, shortly after that, few sentences later, Peter's rebuking Jesus and Jesus is rebuking him back as Jesus is beginning to share that he is going on his way to Jerusalem and there he is going to suffer at the hands of the religious authorities there and they're going to kill him and then he will be reborn. He will come alive again after three days. So as Jesus is, is sharing this message with them, and the disciples are wrestling with this. He continues this message as he's journeying toward Jerusalem. And then he had an experience with the going on to this, this high mountain. And it may have been the same one where we talked about the gates of Hades last week. But here, Peter and a few of the closest disciples saw Jesus transformed. He went through a metamorphosis, was radiant white, as he was there with patriarchs of the faith. So Peter has experienced a lot. He's seen a lot. He's noticed how Jesus is, is bringing to light the total completeness of who he is as the Son of God. We also note that as this journey now, as they're heading back south toward Jerusalem, and Jesus is very clearly teaching what this is heading toward. Jesus has this north star that he's continually acknowledging to let others around him know that they can maintain their faith, and that is that there is the Father. And the Father is the one that Jesus keeps looking to that gives him strength and courage as he is continually being surrounded by those who are challenging him, tempting him, trying to get him, trip him up in the things that he is saying. But he continually responds perfectly as Jesus, letting people know who his nature is. This continues as on their way south, they stop at Capernaum. And as they are here, Jesus is there. And this is where the, the passages that we're going to read this morning, starting with verse 24. After Jesus and his disciples lived at Capernaum, the, collect, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. So I'll pause there for a moment to recognize what is this? So with all the other tithing that is going on and, and the, the temple leaders have now a tax. And this tax is two drachma. Um, the drachma is a approximately what a laborer would make for one day. So this is two days wages they are, that they are collecting from all the people to help pay for the leadership of the temple. Now as you 
you note who is the leadership of the temple. They're the people who are continually going to Jesus and tempting him and, and trying to test him and trip him up. And they're eventually the ones who are going to kill him, which Jesus is clearly telling the disciples. But apparently he's been paying this temple tax since they've been with Peter because Peter, when um, they're asked him, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? And Peter quickly said, well, yes, he does. And so Peter goes in to the house. As I continue reading, Jesus was the first to speak, acknowledging that Peter didn't even ask Jesus, just Jesus knows what's going on in his infinite wisdom and says, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes from their own children are from others. So let's get in the mindset of the day. If there is a, a king over a kingdom and the king collects taxes from all the subjects, does the king pay taxes? No, because the money is flowing to the king. Do the king's kids pay taxes? No, because they're part of the royal family. So all the money that is collected goes to help fund them and then the other government things that go on. So if you are a child of the king, then you do not pay tax. Now Jesus throughout his, his ministry and he's been teaching, who, who is Jesus? Jesus is the child of the king. He continually refers to God as father. And not only does Jesus refer to God as Father, but he teaches his followers, for example, in the Lord's Prayer, that we should all consider God our Heavenly Father. And so the, the tension here is, I, I can imagine, is, is, I don't know if Peter's grasping it initially, um, but Jesus is trying to communicate to him um, a, a very important thing to recognize that there is tension going on. There's this, this tax that they are allotting to all the subjects to help pay for a corrupt leadership within the temple. A leadership that is not leading people toward God, but is actually anti-God as in their practices and what they're doing. During the this time period, um, things have gotten very out of hand, and Jesus has been fighting against this teaching that is coming from the temple and how you connect with God, how you live the life, a godly life, is contrary to what Jesus has been teaching. So Jesus has been teaching for approximately three years now about what it means to live in the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is and what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God and, and how we live in that understanding of the kingdom of God. So this simple question is pretty charged. Does your teacher pay the temple tax? So Peter answers this question in 26. From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish that you catch 
open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. What incredible an account here of, of what is happening. That is, Jesus is dealing with this, and, and just some of the phrasing here, so that we may not cause offense. When have we seen Jesus afraid of not cause, causing offense so far in the gospel? You know, we don't. Jesus is not afraid to be offensive, um, to make his point about who the kingdom of God is, what the kingdom of God is, and who we are supposed to be in the kingdom of God. But Jesus has a purpose, and as he's continually looking at his north star, he's wanting his message to be clear. Actually, in, in reading um, some background for this, that about 25 years earlier, there was a, a gentleman who wanted to purify the temple, and he went into the temple, and he threw out all the Romans who were standing around in the temple and the Roman guards, and he said, we've got to, you know, take back the temple. This is, this is something that is our thing. It's not the Roman thing. And Rome quickly responded, and they killed him. And so Jesus, clearly, his role is not to overthrow the Romans. His role is to overthrow sin. His role is to give us life in the midst of the death that we are causing ourselves because of our sin. So I... When Matthew here is saying he's not wanting to cause offense, I understand it to mean that he has a purpose. And the purpose isn't to fight the Romans. The purpose isn't to get rid of this tax. The purpose is to bring everlasting life to humanity. And so this could be a distraction from that. So he wants everything that he says to be clearly pointing to that. And does this amazing thing that Jesus doesn't have, apparently coins himself, recognize that an earthly king has money. And that money is collected from the people. But Jesus, as our king, that Jesus as our king does not require money from us. Jesus has no need of money. He has all the money in the world. There's no requirement of of payment from us to be a child of the king ourselves. Jesus has paid it all himself. And making this point, he has him do this very strange thing of go fishing. Peter is a fisherman. He knows how to catch fish. And it's not unusual for fish to eat a shiny thing, as most of our lures are made of shiny things. But for Jesus to say, go catch a fish, there's going to be a four drachma coin in his mouth and go pay the tax with that is another one of those amazing miracles that Jesus does. But there's a point here that Jesus has paid for us. He has paid for Peter. He has paid for us in many ways. But as he is continuing looking at his North Star and his understanding of who he is, he gives a message to us, and even through paying the tax, that we ourselves need to have our North Star as well. Because as we deal with life, as we deal with issues, as we deal with things that come our way, we will have questions and we need guidance to know how do we make this decision? Do we pay our 
two drachma temple tax or not. We have this freedom in Christ to make these kind of decisions, and we need a North Star. We need to understand that we have a heavenly Father who is our King in the kingdom of God, and that we are, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all children of the King. This is an amazing thing. You see, Jesus teaches us that as there is the king, that we can have this relationship with the king such that we call the king father. Jesus, throughout his ministry, has been modeling what does it mean to have God as father as he spends incredible amounts of time praying to the father, as he responds to all this adversity that is happening in life as he shows what's really important and what's not so important. He's been modeling what it means to live in this way. In this way, Jesus wants you and me to understand that we are all invited to be a part of this incredible family, to be a part of this family of God. And we don't have to pay to do it. It's free. This is the good news, that no matter who we are, what's in our past, where we're at, no matter what our social status, our economic status, no matter what race we are, we are all invited to be a part of this very special family. And the cost, Jesus has paid the cost totally and freely. And because of that, you and I can live as a child of the king. During the time of Jesus, if there was the, the, the children of the king and they leave the palace and they go out into the streets, they don't act like the, the regular people. They recognize that their father is king. And so as they go through the streets, I'm sure they attempt to understand that they're representing the palace they're representing the king and as they do and as they behave reflects on the palace we the same if we are a child of the king we recognize as we do life that everything that we do is an opportunity to point others to the king to point others to this incredible opportunity to understand that the creator of the universe, the one who created all the stars at night, all the beauty that we see around us, invites us warmly into the family to be adopted as sons and daughters, to be and have an understanding that we are children of the king. So for us this morning, this is, this is huge. This is an opportunity for us to understand who we are and our identity in Christ and how amazing that is. It's an understanding that sometimes in life we do things that we don't totally agree with, but we do so recognizing that there is a calling that we have and that we need to be focused on that North Star. And sometimes we may find ourselves doing things that we 
make that choice to do them because we don't want other people to be distracted from understanding what the North Star is because we have this freedom in Christ to make choices. So for us this morning, I want us to, to think about do we act according to this? Josh, go ahead and throw up the question. How am I living out my life as a child of the King? Are we living out our life in such a way that we understand that Jesus gave it all so that we, within our own sin, can accept what Jesus has done for us on the cross and understand that he has paved the way for us for life and life everlasting? Do we understand as we're living out our life as a child of the King that we um, have the opportunity to bring others into the kingdom, to bring others into the family, to understand that everyone that we meet is either a brother or sister or potential brother or sister in the kingdom, and that we have this opportunity to lovingly connect them to the creator of the universe? I love Peter. He was struggling to understand what it means to live out life as a child of the king. And I'm sure his, his, his head is spinning. As we mentioned last week, Jesus gave him a thumbs up on his understanding of who he is, a thumbs down on trying to prevent him from being who he was called to be as he was going to suffer for all of us. And here, Jesus is asking him another question. And I'm sure G P Peter's got to be at this point. He's like, I want to try to answer this the best I can. Sometimes I get it right, sometimes I don't. But he answered this one the way Jesus wanted him to, to understand that he's a child of the king. And he doesn't owe anything. Jesus is going to pay it all. Jesus has paid the way for us. The question is, what are you going to do with that information? It's a blessing. Reach out and accept it. And then live as a child of the King. Heavenly Father, as we look to you and grow in our understanding of who you are, just as Peter throughout these three years continue to grow in his understanding of who you are. God, help us to understand who you are. And in doing so, may we can understand who you call us to be. Through whatever we face in life, God, we thank you for this, this calling and opportunity that you give us. As we understand that you have paid the price, that you paying the price gives us this freedom to move forward in your kingdom, a kingdom of love, a kingdom that requires sacrifice. As you gave your life on the cross, we are invited to give our lives to you in submission to obedience of love as we strive to be the children you call us to be. Help us to do so this morning. In your precious name we pray, amen.